episode of Spawned is brought to you by Homer, the learn-to-read app for kids 2 to 8 that is not only fun for kids, but with just 15 minutes a day of use, it's proven to increase reading scores by 74%. Sign up now at learnwithhomer.com slash Spawned. And Spawned listeners get a two-month free trial. That's learnwithhomer.com slash Spawned. Hello and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Liz Gumbiner. And I'm Kristen Chase, and we are the co-founders of CoolMomPics.com. On today's episode of Spawned, we are going to be talking with Nama Bloom, founder of HelloFlow.com. Do you remember those videos, Liz? Yes. The first moon party. Are you kidding me? That was like on <laughs> autoplay in our house for a week. Same here. Well, she's the author of the upcoming new book, The Guide, comma, period. Wait, did I say that? <laughs> yes. The Guide, period. A guide to periods, yeah. right? And it's coming out October 17th. And of course, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. But wow, this is so timely for us with tweens and a teen in our homes, but we know there's got to be a ton of listeners who are wondering about this, need to talk to their kids and don't know how. So perfect timing. I know, especially, you know, I have two girls, my boyfriend has two girls. So we always joked from as soon as we got together that one day we would have a lot of tampons in our bedroom. <laughs> so good timing. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about Nama. She's a Brooklyn mom, an entrepreneur and best known as the founder of HelloFlow, HelloFlow.com, which we have featured on Cool Mom Picks a while ago now. We did all the way back in 2013. And she created it so that women and girls could learn about their bodies in an open and honest environment with no shame. And we are big fans of honest and no shame and humor, which she also brings to the conversation. And she's out with her new book in October called Hello Flow, The Guide period, aka the Everything Puberty book for the modern girl. And we're so happy that Nama is joining us today. Welcome. Thanks. So excited to be here. We're glad to have you. We can't think of anyone we'd rather talk about vaginas and periods with. <laughs> well, luckily, I've been talking about them for the last seven years, so I've got tons of practice. <laughs> when we had Rosie Pope on in an early episode, she called it the Queen Vic. <laughs> Do you have like any euphemisms or are you a big fan of like, just go with vagina? I'm a pretty big fan of go with vagina, especially when talking to kids, just because I think introducing the euphemisms early on just makes them a little confused. Yeah, that's yeah true. I agree. We're, we're both the same way about it. And I really try to do it very seriously. Like, I don't want to make a joke about it. I mean, I feel like people get giggly. Kids get mm -hmm. giggly about all this stuff and penis and vagina talk. But I try to be very serious and matter of fact about it because, you know, it's not a laughing matter. I, yeah, no, I no, always no. say it's just a body part, guys. Yeah. yeah. So in my family, my husband likes to say, you're much more comfortable with this than I am, but I'm going with it, but I don't react when my kids ask me anything about where babies come from, what happens with my period, all of that kind of stuff. You know, as a mom, the bathroom door is never quite fully closed. This is true. So I just try to stay super calm and not put any of my own emotional garbage with it. Do you have emotional garbage? I would think that you're kind of all buttoned up with this. Yeah. I mean, I'm mostly buttoned up, but you know, I don't want to say, oh, it's this annoying thing or this thing that's caused me cramps for the last 30 years. Years. Like, <laughs> I just try to be matter of fact. Like my daughter, I think it was at age like four or five, she came into the bathroom one day and I don't know if I was changing a tampon, changing a pad, something. And she said, mommy, how come you wear diapers? <laughs> and I was like, well, sweetie, 
one day you'll get to do this too. You know, and I just said once a month, women, once they're about 12 or something, start bleeding and it's just a process. And it's because you have eggs inside of you that help you make babies. And she was like, I'm like a chicken. And then <laughs> off running. Oh my God, that happened to me too, except with my son and tampons. He walked in in the bathroom. That's the exact same story. I wonder if there are other moms out there. Liz, did you have the story? He walked in on me and I was like, well, you know, we have eggs. And then if you don't use them, and then he ran out of the room and yelled, to all his sisters, mommy laid an egg in the toilet. Ah! And they all came running in. <laughs> I mean, it's really hysterical where their heads go. Yeah, I got, mom, why are you putting a tampon in your butt? Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. I was like, let's talk about the three holes, girls. <laughs> so let me ask you, Nama. Obviously, yeah. I'm I'm pretty okay with this, but why is it so difficult for so many people to talk about this? I mean, as women, like you said, we've had our periods for 10 or 15 or 30 years, or some of us are on the way back down. <laughs> why is it so hard for us to talk about this? You know, I, honestly, I really have no idea, but my assumption and what I've come to believe is that culturally, we teach girls and women to be prim and proper and keep everything quiet and tidy and blood coming out of your vagina is not a super tidy thing, right? So I think that's part of it. And I talk about this a little bit in the book, you know, and the book is actually for girls, but for years, we have this assumption that when a woman is menstruating, she's crazy, right? Like she's out of control and she can't control herself. And I think because culturally we've made that assumption, women aren't going to go out there and broadcast that they have their period because what's that going to do for them? with their relationships at work or in their personal life, right? So we've kind of turned it into something that's a negative instead of being focused on what it is, which is just a you know natural part of your body's functions. Well, especially when there are people getting fired. Remember that recent story of a woman somehow getting fired because of her period? Oh, I missed that. I mean, that. when you still have stuff like that going on, it makes it really challenging to celebrate or even just not have a negative reaction to period when you're getting all those messages like that. I mean, that's a huge message. Well, I think also women are taught to kind of hide our womanness in a lot of ways in order to compete in business and be taken seriously. And, you know, look at how like, oh, that time of the month has become such an insult or, you know, disparaging mm -hmm. way to talk about women and um, emotions. So I think even if it is that time of the month, as an adult, you're not inclined to let people know you're PMSing because they might think less of you or you can't handle yourself. It's so loaded, isn't it? Totally. There's a section in the book towards the back that speaks about PMS and it's called Even Great Women Have PMS. And it talks about like Beyonce still goes on tour when she's PMSing or has her period and Malala still breaks down barriers and gets girls educated and you don't stop. And oh my God. We're going to have to change it from like Queen B to Queen P. <laughs> like, we're going to have to find some way to like own the period, Beyonce. You can help us with this. Own the period. Own the period. Own <laughs> Your Instead period. of standing in front of a big wall that says feminist, it'll be like PMS. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I also feel like this goes back to like patriarchy here, which I suppose is related to being prim and proper. But, you know, we talk about babies and we talk about sex and we talk about pregnancy and that's all awesome. And I get it. Babies are cute. Pregnant women, eh, sometimes cute. I wasn't very cute when I was pregnant. Not me. Not sex, me. you know, it's, it seems like it's so male driven too. And so, like you said, you know, it's blood. It's not the sexiest thing. But there are other natural processes that we're perfectly fine talking about. 
So totally. And you know, know, the thing is also like you actually said something that is resonating with me, like, oh, it's not the sexiest thing. The fact that we even think about what happens with our bodies as their appeal to people, right? Like, is it a sexy thing? Is it gross? Is it is just so insane to me, right? Like it shouldn't matter. And especially with girls, they shouldn't be thinking about what makes them attractive to other people yet. They're 10, 11, 12 years old. It should be the furthest thing from their mind, at least in my opinion. I agree. Well, let me ask you something, because this summer I had this, okay, I don't want to mortify my children. So I'm going to just speak generically about, you know, a hypothetical situation Mm -hmm. in which a mom or stepmother figure might have sat down with a daughter and or stepdaughter figure and said, let's have a one hour AMA, right? Like on Reddit and ask me Mm -hmm. anything Mm -hmm. about periods and tampons. And we just sat down or hypothetically, this woman sat down with these children (laughs) and talked for one hour about like anything, anything, anything. And we had like the most or that person had the most frank conversation about it. It was excellent. Mm -hmm. But I know I'm just really blunt about stuff. And I feel like the more I can kind of like suppress giggles or not be silly and the more I can just be like super serious, the more they'll see that it's okay to ask me stuff and I won't be uncomfortable. But Mm -hmm. what about for women who still are struggling with this? What's a great way to just initiate this conversation with your daughters? Okay, well, obviously, one great way is buy them my book, um, Hello, Flow the Guide, period, and read the book first and then give it to them. And the book will prompt questions, I'm sure. I mean, I do as, you know, I worked as hard as possible to answer those questions, but more questions will come up. And the book's Um, funny, right? Yeah, the book is funny. And the big difference between this book and any other puberty book is we provided historical and cultural context. So for instance, when most parents are talking to their girls about puberty, they're saying like, okay, you know, your breasts are going to grow. You're going to start getting your period. And they talk about the biological changes. But Mm -hmm. what most women don't talk about are things like, and you're going to get pubic hair. And while you're on Instagram, you may see that Kim Kardashian has none when she poses naked. And here's how to process that. Oh, and that Uh, leads to a whole other discussion about what your kids are looking at on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Block, block, block. Yes, yes. So I think that what we tried to do was go further than just here are the biological changes. We also talked about the fact that like different breast sizes have been fashionable over different periods of time and the same with pubic hair styles and the same with eyebrow styles and try to teach girls that all this external pressure you're getting is just trend and it's just fashion and it will move on just like everything else in trend and fashion moves on. And so you really get to decide what you want to do for yourself. So it sounds like what you're saying is that it's not just about periods. It's really overall about puberty, body, hair, society view of all these things. It's like all lumped together. And actually that whole cultural conversation seems like a really good way to introduce it instead of just like, let's talk about ovaries. Yeah. So (laughs) I would say the book is about 30% cultural, like 40% biology, and then maybe another 30% kind of memoir slash opinion on how to be good to yourself. I can imagine, Kristen, us writing a memoir about our periods. (laughs) (laughs) And there was that one time in eighth grade. There was that one time. (laughs) When I wore the white jeans. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, nowadays, thankfully, they have those period underwear that I've actually spoken very much about. They have some now just for teens. But here's what I'm wondering. Are we doing a disservice to our kids? And I'm not just talking about girls, by the way. Our boys as well. When we bitch about PMS, when we complain, you know, I'm rummaging around for a tampon and I can't find one. And I'm like, ugh. When we scream from the bedroom, get me Advil! Yeah, 
Yeah. Should we be faking it? Like, should we be enjoying it or at least not talking about it? Like, what's the best way to make our girls feel more comfortable about this whole process? And quite frankly, our sons, too. I have one boy and three Mm -hmm. girls in my house. So I don't think that we have to hide the fact that it's an inconvenience and that it gives you cramps and it makes you uncomfortable. We don't want to sugarcoat something for them so that they have these expectations that when they get their period, suddenly like doves are singing around them. It's not the snow white picture and we don't have to make it that way. I think we should be realistic with our kids. But I think that on the other hand, linking back the fact that because I have my period, I was able to have you and I was able to become a mother and I'm able to be a woman and I'm proud of being a woman, I think that's how you tie it together. I don't ever really advocate sugarcoating things. I just don't think you need to sugarcoat. <laughs> yeah, look, hey, I did something right. How do you sugarcoat really it anyway? Because that's what I said. I'm like, look, if I didn't have this, I wouldn't have you. Yeah, I mean, and so hey. yeah, my kids are terrified of childbirth for some reason. Mm-hmm. They keep saying like, it's going to hurt. And so I don't want to do it. This oh, is like there's the no kid, for some reason in my house. The 10 year old who still doesn't want to rip off a bandaid. So I was like, do you think if it was that awful that Kristen would have had three more? That's what I always say. <laughs> don't Kristen. bring me into this. Kristen is crazy. Like, do you think that John's mom would have had six? My kids, there is no <laughs> for some reason. I talk very openly because when I went to have my first kid, I don't know what it was, the Bradley method or whatever I thought. It wasn't going to be as bad as it was and I didn't have drugs. So that's mm-hmm. neither here nor there. However, I'm very open. Usually when my children are being naughty and I'm like, it really hurt to have you. So you should be nice to me. <laughs> right now because I went through a lot of pain. It's like the reverse reward chart. <laughs> exactly. So I have a question for Kristen and then I actually I want to know what you think about this Nama. Um, so Kristen what do you tell your son about periods? Well clearly I told him that I was having eggs and such and he ran off and thought I was a chicken so I mean it wasn't something that I brought up on my own. It was by circumstance but I haven't found that I have needed necessarily to have those conversations but you know we have conversations about sex and body parts and puberty and that certainly does come up. I might not give him the same information that I give my girls, but I still talk pretty openly about it because I certainly do not want to raise a boy who is grossed out by it, who won't be around his partner when she has her period or that kind of thing. I want to raise someone who is perfectly fine going to the store, buying pads, or ordering (laughs) HelloFlow.com. Yes! You know what? I always say to my girls, they are so lucky because they have a stepfather figure in their lives who in a second would be the first person to run out and go get them tampons if they needed it. Boom. And you know what? There's something great in your life when you get to that stage of adulthood where guys you're dating are not like grossed out and freaked out by the fact you have your period. Like, I think that's like a a much underlooked milestone in a man's life. Comfortable with periods. (laughs) Yeah. And hopefully most men get there. I'm not sure that they all do, but it sounds like yours have, as have mine. But I agree that it's important to talk to your boys the same way. Just answer questions and they will have the questions. That's true. And let them ask the questions. What's your feeling about that? Because Liz brought up the whole AMA thing, which I love, but I know so many parents out there are really worried about the questions they're going to to get. And so maybe there are questions that you don't know how to answer, or maybe there are questions that you feel your children shouldn't know at that time. How do you address those types of situations? Because I'm sure at some point they've come up. I mean, even for us, I think they've come up. So first of all, I have a pretty funny story about this. So my daughter is now in third grade. 
grade, but I think it was the beginning of her second grade year. We're walking to school. My husband and my son are behind us. We stop at the corner right before the school waiting for the crossing guard. And there's, you know, like five families around us. And my daughter just turns to me and says, out of the blue, mom, I know babies are made when the sperm and the egg get together in the mama's belly, but um, how does the sperm get in there? Mm. And you know, 8 (laughs) a.m. Not enough coffee. (laughs) Yeah. And I just took a deep breath and I thought to myself really quickly, like, I don't want to say it's some sort of special hug. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Special Special hug. hug. And I just said, well, the man puts his penis inside the woman's vagina and that's how it happens. And she said, okay. And then she just continued to walk. The light changed. She walked. And that was it. Never to bring it up again. You know, I think that you just answer in a matter of fact way. Right. You know, the advice that I've been given is if you're really not ready, like if it's a question, I don't know, about drugs or sex that you're just not ready to go there, you can often just say, why do you ask? And often you'll find out that actually what they first ask isn't the question that they're trying to get to. They have something else brewing in their mind. Mm. And then you can let go of your breath that you were holding. (laughs) Yeah, very smart. And you know what? I think it's really great to initiate those conversations early like you did, like with the sperm question, because as your kids get older, the questions are only going to get more complex and more specific. Absolutely. Early and often. That's what like my daughter is eight and she knows I have this book and we have like the advanced copy in the house. And she asked when she could read it. And I said, when you're nine. Next year, you can read it. I want her to read it early enough that it's before everything happens. Mm. But I don't think she needs to worry right now about brain development and peer pressure because it's irrelevant for her. You know, there are a few things in the book that just it's not relevant. And, you know, my sister has a daughter who's one year older than mine and she has an advanced copy. And she said her daughter looked at it. The first line of the book is something like there's no such thing as clean underwear. And it talks about discharge. And she said (laughs) her daughter read it and was like, I'm not ready for this yet, mommy. (laughs) Yeah, we had the period underwear conversation Uh where I've explained like, okay, everyone has period underwear, which is like your crappy stained awful underwear because everybody has accidents. And you just put that in the back. And then that's the stuff you wear on those days that you're worried you might get your period. And so yeah, we have good conversations. And I like it. I like being the mom that can like talk about this stuff with my kids the way my mom was with me. Yeah. So I'm actually I'm really glad that this book is going to help kickstart that for more parents. Yes. My dream is that my daughter becomes the camp guy now. But a little bit of nicer version from the videos so listen nama we did a little poking around and the web and it looks like the original title of your book might have been there will be blood which i thought was awesome (laughs) that is the original title and i'm still heartbroken that it's not the title but we weren't sure if girls would feel comfortable holding that book on the playground or with friends so we decided Ah. to down a bit um, but Hello Flow, the period book. They're cool with that. On the playground. <laughs> I love There Will Be Blood. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yes. Yes. I have an IUD. Uh-huh. So I have the copper IUD. And so I always call the first day of vampire death because <laughs> it's just insane. And everyone who has one knows that the first day is ridiculously um, bloody, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted to piggyback on what the conversation was before this because I wanted to point out that by having these conversations, and I'm, you know, if you disagree, let me know, but that even if you're not going in depth, 
you're starting a precedent where your children can feel comfortable talking to you about uncomfortable subjects. Yeah. And isn't that so much about what this is about? Like you're giving your child, you know, your new book to say, here you go. I'm comfortable with this. You're sending a message, right? I mean, I feel like that's so much a part of this. Even if you're not getting into the nitty gritty, you're at least saying to your kids, I'm open to this discussion. You can come to me, aka, please come to me first before you go to the internet or your friends. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the whole premise of the book, right? It's like, here is all of this information and we want you to get it from a book or from your parents or a grown up in your life, not from the internet, you know, and we address that right up front. In the introduction, we have something for the girls and then it's like, okay, hand this over to your parents, obviously knowing that the girls are going to read it. But we talk about the fact that if you don't give them this book or if you don't have these conversations, they will turn to the internet. And all you have to do is type in pubic hair in a Google search and hit (laughs) images and you will know exactly why you don't want them to turn to the internet. I love the implicit threat, like buy my book or your kids (laughs) will go on the internet and look up pubic hair. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it happens. You know, the, I'm sure you guys know the stat, but the average age, I think that kids are exposed to pornography online now is like nine. Oh, yeah. It's really early. And it's not because they're looking for it. It's because they're trying to figure out what's happening with their bodies. And so I think our parents maybe could have sat back a little bit more because the big risk was that someone was going to find a copy of Playboy. Um, but the <laughs> risks now are much bigger yeah, because for everything sure. is readily available. Yeah, I will tell you one anecdote. My daughter last year was trying to play a joke on a friend where they wanted to find a cute picture of like a boy, a celebrity, a pop star or something and send it to their friend and be like, here's your secret crush. He has a crush on you. So she goes online and she goes into Google and she searches like good-looking, young, teenage boys. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and she was like, Mom, I kept getting safe searches on. I was like, oh, God, don't look for that. Don't look for that. You're being flagged by some government agency right now. So I oh, told her, dear. just look up boy bands in the future if you have to do that. Or go on IMDb. <laughs> like, don't look up hot teenage boys. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I mean, it's just scary. I yeah, think. yeah. Oh, so much is scary. So, Nama, let me ask you. Let's end this on a positive note. Mm-hmm. What's the number one thing that you think parents can do to make this whole process about periods and bodies and ovulation and menstruation make the whole process of discussing it more comfortable with their daughters? So I would say the biggest thing is remember how it felt when you went through it and approach your child with that level of empathy. The conversation should be about your kid, not about you, but it's totally okay to share your stories and like the moments that embarrassed you or that made you uncomfortable. Like when my daughter's ready, I will tell her how freaked out I was about discharge my whole life until I read Taking Charge of Your Fertility and learned that it had a purpose. But they're confused and they're a little bit freaked out. And it's, I think, important to remember that you were confused and freaked out at one point too. And the more that you let them know that that's totally normal, I think the more comfortable they'll be and they'll understand that you really did go through it and they can talk to you. I love that. I need to remember that myself because my experience was much different than Liz's experience with her mom. My mom didn't tell me anything. I was talking to friends about how to figure out tampons. So I actually go based on what happened to me and that I don't want to have happen with my own daughters. So thank you for that. Yeah, my mom handed out tampons at my third grade 
birthday party. You can hear about that in an earlier episode of Spawn Nama. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh. I need to find that one. So you had a first moon party. Uh, pretty much. Pretty much. An unofficial house. first yeah. moon party, yeah. right, Liz? Unofficial, yeah. The kids who are now my age, like, still talk about that. Hey, remember in third grade when Liz's mom gave us all tampons and let us put them in the <laughs> sink to see them expand? That was a good one. But you know what? <laughs> like, all the power to your mom, at least all those right? girls understood how tampons worked. I have a friend whose daughter, the first time she saw a tampon, like, this is another mom who did, like, an AMA type thing, a friend of mine, and she said to her daughter, do you know how a tampon works? And the daughter was kind of blowing her off, and she opens the tampon wrapper, and the daughter sees, like, this big tampon and applicator, and is like, how do you keep that in your body all day? And that was like this big aha moment. She didn't even realize that the tampon is the thing inside of the applicator. Oh, no. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how many women I have heard from that the first time they used a tampon, they left the applicator in their body because they didn't understand. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. And they didn't know why it was so uncomfortable. Like, there's such basic things. And this is the whole thing about remembering what it was like to be a girl. There are things that we take for granted now, like how these different things work. Well, I'll, I'll leave you with my one like horribly embarrassing story about that. <laughs> well, okay. It's two parts, right? So when I, I thought I got my period and I was all like, I got my period. And then I realized I was wearing these kind of fuchsia <laughs> pants and it was just like the little fuchsia threads from the pants in my underwear. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was not blood. <laughs> so that was awful. And then when I did get my period the first time, I had two of my best friends sleeping over uh, and I ran out and I was like oh, I got my period and they were like oh my god that's great oh my god because I was late I was a bit of a late bloomer they're like go we'll just go put in a, a pad I was like okay and I came out and I was like it's really uncomfortable they're like oh it takes some getting used to and a few minutes later I'm like I don't know if I did this right <laughs> well Nama mm-hmm. I peeled off the back oh, and no. I oh, no. stuck it to me <laughs> <laughs> So in addition to your first period, you got your first wax. I know. She got yeah, first pretty period. much. I stuck it to me and they were laughing so hard. Oh and my gosh. So, so I told my daughter this and I said, so nothing you could do would be worse than that. And she was like, you're pretty much right. <laughs> you know what? Like that is the stuff that we assume people know. And of course, how are you supposed to know? No one's born knowing how to use a tampon or it's a true. pad. Very true. <laughs> well, listen, how can folks find you? Obviously, the new book, Hello Flow, The Guide, period, aka The Everything Puberty book for the modern girl will be out October 17th wherever you buy books but what about on the web Twitter Facebook where can folks find you and all the information that you share so uh, helloflow.com still is a wealth of resources I no longer run the site but I'm still involved with the book but helloflow.com there's a ton of information online both for younger girls and grown women it goes pretty much up to menopause and you can follow me on Twitter at Nama Bloom or on Instagram, same, and Facebook. Awesome. And you know what? I should just say this, listeners. We shared our period stories, many period stories, Liz, but we would love to hear from you. If you've got funny ones, you're brave enough to tell us, you can go on Twitter, coolmompics, hashtag spawn show. If you prefer it to be a private laugh amongst friends, drop us an email, spawned at coolmompics.com. We promise we will not tell them on the air. We will laugh. We will commiserate. So just let, let us know. We would love to hear hear that. And you know what? That would actually be a great post, Kristen. Like the worst period stories from oh. our fans and listeners. We won't even use your last names or humiliate yep. you. It might just be helpful. Who knows? Yeah, we'll be anonymous. And you know, they're not always during puberty. I would argue that my <laughs> worst, my worst oh. like 
leaking crazy period story happened just like 10 years ago. Yay, sisterhood. Yay. (laughs) All right, well, listen, we are going to be back with our cool picks of the week right after this. I am so glad to welcome back Learn With Homer as our sponsor again this week. Because, Kristen, you have been using this awesome Learn To Read app with Bridget, your six-year-old, right? Yes, absolutely. How's it going? It's going awesome. You know what? Her brother and sister have to do some computer work for school, and she felt left out. And I was like, she needs to work on reading. We are going to try this out. And I have to say, she loves it. She asks to use it every single day. And I really have seen improvements in her reading. And you know what? Just overall, her interest in wanting to read, which is a big deal for us in my house. I think that's great. I mean, anytime you can combine fun and educational in an app, I think is fantastic. And that's what Homer does really well. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I love that there's printables because she is obsessed with coloring and puzzles and that kind of thing. You know, when you subscribe, you get hundreds and hundreds of printables that you can print out at your home. And it's really easy for me to keep track of her progress. I can hop on and see what she's been up to. And you know what? Even listen to a recording of her reading. She hasn't done that yet, but I cannot wait to hear her. It's going to be awesome to listen back in a couple of years, too. And I think the best part, especially for people like you, parents with bigger families, is that you can have up to four kids on one subscription, and each kid gets their own dedicated reading pathway, right? So whatever their interests are, they can create a pathway around the topics they care about, which will make them more apt to read, which will make them like reading better, which will improve their reading scores. So it's all synergistic, Kristen. It is, and the price is right. It's $7.99 a month or $70. Nine ninety nine a year. And get this, Bond listeners, you get an exclusive two-month free trial. So what you have to do, go to learnwithhomer.com slash Spawned, sign up, get your two-month free trial. And you know what? Let us know how it's going. I'm telling you how my Bridget, she's six, is using it. We'd love to hear from you too. Go to learnwithhomer.com slash Spawned and get your two-month free trial now. All right. Well, now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool picks of the week. Nama, you're our guest. You get to go first. What do you have today? Okay, crazy esoteric thing, but I've been living in Seattle for the year with my family, and there are a lot of non-alcoholic type cocktails in restaurants here, which I love. And I tried this tonic water, Fever Tree Elderflower Tonic Water, which is like the most delicious mixer, which will make you never want to drink alcohol again because it's super delicious. Kristen, that sounds like a you pick. That is a me pick. Oh, I've tried it. I'm looking it up right now. I've totally tried it. I buy this stuff all the time. Here's the thing, if I may jump in on your cool pick, Nama. Even if you drink alcohol, this stuff is so tasty. They make club soda too, Liz. Have you ever tried it? I have not. It's like artisan tonic water, but it makes such a huge difference. And my feeling is if you are doing the mocktail, you're skipping the alcohol, like get yourself a delicious, tasty drink. It's totally worth it. I'm with you, Nama. 100%. I will totally try you this. Need to try I need to try it. all that much. So, you know, I could use a break from the club soda and lemon. No, no, it's good. It is so delicious. <laughs> Great pick. Yeah. People love food picks. So this is How perfect. How about you, Kristen? All right. So my pick, we found a new show on Fox that's actually running on Amazon and Hulu, and it's called Make history. Have either of you heard of this show before? No, but okay. sounds good. It is so funny. It is a time travel comedy. And what's a bummer is that Fox canceled it mid-season. So there's only nine shows. But what? it had 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is hmm. so funny and good. And my older kids, 10 and 13, love it. It is really funny. And it's basically kind of a typical time travel show where, you know, dudes go back in time. However, I will say that the writing is incredible. There's a lot of great pop culture, a lot of current 
event references and some goofy humor. And it's, you know, educational. So if you can catch it, all the episodes are on Amazon. You can get two episodes on Hulu if you're a subscriber. And maybe Fox will bring it back. Because I have to say, it is really, really awesome if you're looking for a fun show to binge watch. I hate when people cut stuff mid-season. I'm still mad about Freaks and Geeks all these years later. Uh, I know. I hear you. Yeah, I'm mad about Good Girls Revolt. Have you guys seen that one? No. No. Uh Look at you with the second pick, Nama. (laughs) Baldy. I'm overstaying my... uh, No. No, more picks the better. Uh, Good Girls Revolt was an Amazon series, and they decided not to do a second season, but it's about the women who worked at Newsweek who... Oh, I did hear about this. Yeah, basically sued to be allowed to have bylines. And it's so great, and it's so, like, cool, funky 70s. Awesome. All right, well, we're going to have to check that one one out, too. My pick's a little more serious today. So this one comes courtesy of Lin-Manuel Miranda. You may have heard of him, Kristen. (laughs) Yes, I have. And he tweeted about... Uh, organization called HispanicFederation.org, Unidos. They're doing a hurricane relief fund for the Maria victims in Puerto Rico. And I know it's been a really tough month between Irma, Maria, the earthquake in Mexico. Everyone's kind of overwhelmed by tragedy and disaster. But I am so upset about what's happening in Puerto Rico. There's 3.5 million Americans there, and they're not getting the attention and the help and the support and the disaster relief they need. So if you want to help your fellow Americans, you just go to hispanicfederation.org slash donate. You will see all the information there about the dedicated relief fund they set up. They're actually sending tons of support there right now. They're sending a chartered plane to um, help first responders get over to the island. They're really doing good things. And so if Lin-Manuel recommends it, I'm all in. That's awesome. Well, that's it for today. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Spawn. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen, who got to listen to 45 minutes of three women talking about periods. He deserves an award. Yay, John. (laughs) (laughs) And we love hearing from you. Please leave us a review on iTunes and make sure to subscribe. In fact, you can do it right now while you're listening. And be sure to download our episodes. You know what, Liz? My son, Drew, who is a podcast lover, did not know that it helps the podcaster when you download your episodes. And I actually had to show him how to do that so that he could help out the folks that he listens to. So if you haven't figured it out yet, it's actually really easy. But know this, if you're a subscriber and our podcasts pop up, you actually haven't downloaded them. They're just there for listening when you have Wi-Fi. So please download them. It actually helps other people find our podcast, which we like, Liz. And it helps you. Certainly. Like when I'm driving my kids, I like having the podcast to listen to that's already downloaded. I don't have to stream it, so I can also use Waze. Yes. <laughs> Data saving time. I see how you work. Well, everyone, thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.